Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, conversations continue about leadership as demonstrators remain in downtown Ottawa. Prime Minister should do something because presently, by not doing anything, not showing himself, I understand he's got a COVID, but he could speak publicly, ask something, do something, doing nothing and promising to do nothing encourages those people to stay there. What impact is the demonstration having on the Conservative Party? The, the fact that the Conservative Party seems to think it's okay to get their pictures, or members of the Conservative Party MPs think it's okay to get their picture taken with these people um, and to support them um, is, uh, to me, it's just bizarre. And Pierre Poilievre announces his intention to become Prime Minister. That's why I'm running for Prime Minister to put you back in charge of your life. Together, we will make Canadians the freest people on earth. It's Monday, February the 7th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Mark. Let's talk about the aftermath of another weekend of uh, siege in downtown Ottawa. The protests have continued. There has been a lot of conversation about what, if anything, law enforcement authorities can do about uh, the fact that downtown Ottawa has been immobilized by this group of demonstrators, and many residents of Ottawa are quite upset about it. Um, there's, there are obviously many levels to this. Uh, there's the policing aspect in Ottawa. There there's the political aspect on Parliament Hill. Um, so where do you see this going as, as we move on from the second weekend of these demonstrations? Yeah, I think what's interesting, Mark, is when you talk about all the levels, but, you know, there's, there's sort of one word that carries through all of those levels, and the word is leadership. And I think that's what you're seeing more and more. I'm sure we've seen it from the beginning, but, boy, is there ever a lot of conversation about leadership at every level in terms of trying to, you know, not not just in terms of trying to bring it to an end and how that's going to happen, but how it how it was allowed to happen and failures in in leadership there, uh, uh, some are are suggesting, and uh, our political leaders in the positions, you know, politicians and and parties are taking on all of this, which really is, you know, I, I think is going to have a long time, you know, lasting effect because you know whenever we face these kinds of challenges. Uh, leadership is going to be squarely at the forefront, and positions being taken uh, by political leaders now are, are going to follow them. Uh, some have suggested that you know the prime minister needs to go out and, and resolve all this by, or the government side needs to you know meet with protesters and, and discuss all of this. But what's to discuss? The protesters have made it very clear that their bottom line is getting rid of the government and getting rid of all vaccine mandates, not just for truckers at the border, but in, and getting all these rules. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, public health prohibitions around the pandemic lifted. Most of them are provincial jurisdictions, so calling in questions of leadership and how leaders have responded there and moving forward. And then, um, you know, on the conservative side, the conservatives, by and large, back uh, the trucker protest. And it's been ongoing, you know, for as long as it has in the, speaking exclusively about the city of Ottawa here and uh, the kind of uh, chaos and turmoil it's caused for residents of, of this town. And that's, the, you know, but not all conservatives. We've seen in, in the last number of days, we've seen a split develop in the party of some people think it's time for the protesters. Some MPs, senators want the protesters to go home. And uh, one of the things to consider there is, 
you know, if conservatives want to be in power one day, and of course they do, uh, these are the kind of decisions being made today that will follow them down the road. When they're in government confronted with a situation like this, and they will be at some point, how will they respond? Those decisions being taken today are decisions that will follow all politicians down the road. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think there are, uh, from a political point of view, uh, there are aspects to these demonstrations that that are uh, that reward both the liberals and the conservatives in some ways. I think there are conservatives who think the, these demonstrations are a, a sign that Canadians are giving up on Justin Trudeau and the liberals and and they're perhaps going to they, they see potential political gains for them in that. And, and they see the mobilized, uh, you know, the cash that's been donated and, and all of that sort of response to this movement. Um, and they're looking to, to uh, presumably at how they can harness that. And then I think from Justin Trudeau and the liberals perspective, there's, there's, uh, there probably is some political benefit to them being positioned against this kind of protest uh, in in uh, how that looks to their supporters. Yeah, sure, and I, that, that brings us back to the whole question of leadership. I think there's a whole whole pile of Canadians uh, looking at all of this and saying, you know, you know, you know, what you're essentially describing, Mark, is the is the notion of uh, you know political divides and playing politics with the issue. There'll be a whole lot of Canadians watching all of this and going, you know, come on, folks, like find a way. To resolve, yes, people are tired of the pandemic, uh, and some people tired of the pandemic, and for all kinds of other reasons, have taken to the streets, and they're going to take to the streets again, and that protests are spreading across the country. What's the solution to, um, you know, make those people feel uh, that are opposed, you know, they're protesting the things they're protesting, that at least they have a voice, there's a place they can go, uh, there's someone they can speak to, and uh, I'm not sure Canadians will be convinced that what they've seen is is politicians at every level uh, on the same page with, you know, how to deal with these issues and, and, and the notion of playing politics, whether it will rub Canadians, you know, the wrong way, a lot of Canadians the wrong way, uh, saying, you know, this is this is not the t- not the time yeah. for that. Everybody agrees that you know nobody nobody supports protests in the streets, uh, except uh, for those who believe that they've become a necessary evil because people don't feel they have a voice, and that's the position of the Conservative Party largely is people are here because they don't feel they're being heard by the Liberal government. The Liberal government's position is, look, we've, you know, we're following the orders of health officials. And, you know, a lot of things they're complaining about are decisions being taken by uh, governments in other parts of the country. You know, eight, eight, of, eight, eight out of ten of those governments, Mark, are, are conservative governments uh, who have in, imposed these mandates. So, you know, again, it takes me back to this issue of leadership and, and finding a way out of this, not finding a way to profit from it. Yeah, and it, it comes at an interesting time for the Conservatives in particular, because I think with the departure of Erin O'Toole as leader and Candace Bergen now as the interim leader, she's made some changes. Uh, some some of her past comments have been surfaced again, and uh, there I think there is a sense that the party will be choosing not just a new leader, but a, a direction of whether it's moving more towards the center or more towards the right. And and this going on at the same time as that's happening, I think, is an interesting uh, dynamic for the conservatives as they choose their next leader. Right. And you see, uh, you know, we've got Pierre Polyev entering the race over, over the weekend. 
um, and not identifying himself as, you know, wanting to run for the leadership of the Conservative Party, going straight to the top, saying, I want to run to be prime minister and I'm going to make Canada the freest country in the world. Uh, you know, so the challenge, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, a political party, what does a political party stand for? It, it, I don't think it's really defined by issues they line up behind. Supporting a trucker's protest is not where you want to take the country. Uh, so people will be demanding a lot more uh, from the party, and that'll be, a, you know, what does what this party stand for? And that's that's a debate happening, I'm talking to a lot of conservatives. That's a debate happening inside the party as well. Aaron O'Toole campaigned one way to win the leadership and then, you know, campaigned a different way trying to win the country. Uh, a lot of people, you know, are saying that, you know, it wasn't necessarily some of the policies he talked about, although clearly a lot of conservatives opposed where he was going. But the way he did it, the way he communicated with, you know, the party caucus, the way he left, many of them felt uh, they were left out of the loop. So that's a style issue. But the question is still there in, you know, in, in the aftermath of what's happened, Aaron O'Toole, the comments of Candace Bergen, the, the, the candidacy of, of Pierre Poiliev, still leave wide open the question of what it is they want Canadians to vote for. What will be the vision of this party? Is it, and, and what, how deep is the turmoil inside the party between, you know, social conservatives and the old Canadian alliance side and the progressive conservative side? Two parties came together almost 20 years ago. They found a way to do that. Now, to a lot of people, it feels like they're they're breaking down into sides again. And I think that's the challenge for any new leader of the party. Yeah. Let's just talk for a, a moment longer about Pierre Poiliev, who uh, did announce, as you mentioned, on the weekend that he's running for the leadership, although he, that's not the way he framed it, as you say. Uh, he didn't say I'm running. He's going to be prime minister, Mark. But yeah. The leadership is just a step along the way. Yeah, and it, it was interesting. It, it was almost uh, like somebody announcing they were running for president of the United States, um, it, as opposed to saying I'm running for the leadership of my party. He didn't even mention the Conservative Party, and uh, Poliev has has carved out a bit of a niche through using social media to his advantage over the last few years. He's been around Parliament Hill for a long time, started very young as an MP. Uh, and and so he is, I think, drawing on his own personal brand here. Um, but do you do you perceive him to be the front runner in this race uh, at this stage? I know he's I know it's not officially begun and other people right. are still deciding, but but he would be uh, one of the top two or three candidates, wouldn't he? Well, let me put it this way. In the absence of a whole lot of other candidates, he's the first name on everybody's lips, but he was the first name on everybody's lips before the race was even declared. When, yeah. when Aaron O'Toole was running into trouble after the last election, uh, Pierre Polyev's name uh, has been coming up ever since. And we know he was in the last race till, till the very end. Um, again, so two things I would say is to your question about branding, uh, it's very much like Mr. Polyev wants to have people from across the political spectrum in the country listen to the kinds of things he talks about, talks about, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, inflation issues and people being able to afford a house and freedom and support for the truckers, although a little less explicit in his, in his campaign launch video uh, that he's supporting the truckers, but it's clear that he's supporting the truckers. And so he, he wants, he's trying to get people from across the political spectrum to see him on television. Here he has to say and go, I want that guy, regardless of which party. I want that guy to be the leader. I want that guy to be in charge of something. I think that's what he's going for. He's trying to, you know, uh, touch as many people as he can and then uh, then draw them into the Conservative Party uh, because he's the guy that they say they want. 
But secondly, as the campaign goes on, again, back to what we touched on earlier, uh, he and other candidates are going to have to really answer some clear questions about what they want this Conservative Party uh, as they head in, pick, pick a new leader, and then head into an election that could come any time in a minority government. Uh, what will they, will they keep a carbon tax? Do they want the kinds of things that Aaron O'Toole uh, was talking about? Do they want to build as broad uh, a tent as possible for the Conservative Party? Where are they on social issues? Uh, how much power will you know the, the social conservative wing of the party, which is always very present and very active, uh, likely decided the last Conservative uh, leadership race that chose Aaron O'Toole. Where is he going to be on some of these key issues that will be presented to Canadians? Because you know, uh, there are other things that Canadians will make decisions on. Uh, sure, inflation and the economy are clearly the biggest ones, and I think that'll be the case in the next election. But they'll want to know more about exactly what Pierre Polyev stands for. He and the other candidates. But going in, he's the guy that's been talking about, you know, affordability and the kinds of things of owning a home and young people need a break and freedom. Uh, there'll be more to answer about once we get into a campaign. Yeah. All right. Very interesting stuff. Peter, thank you for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Mark. Talk to you again soon. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. These horns are going on all the time, all night. There are people who are doing firecrackers at night where people are trying to sleep. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Carson Jerema argues the Freedom Convoy reveals a Canada governed by hypocrisy and traffic jams. He writes, What is happening in Ottawa is indeed something different, but I'm not sure how much of that is because it is new to Canada, or different in general. Perhaps it is just the plain visibility of it that is unnerving. A protest camp near a pipeline might struggle for attention. Not so a camp in front of Parliament. What is becoming increasingly clear is that this is a country that, despite laws and legislative bodies for making those laws, is governed by whoever can block traffic the longest. At the conversation, Gerald Walton asks whose freedom the Freedom Convoy is fighting for. Walton writes, The one-word rallying cry, freedom, is the activist mantra. Who could be against freedom? But it's worth noting that one of the freedoms they're demanding, the right to refuse COVID-19 vaccinations without curtailing their livelihood, poses immense risk not only to themselves but to everyone else, while also draining the healthcare system and denying treatments for others. What this freedom convoy is really about is self-interest. It is a petulant demand for participants to be able to do whatever they want, whenever they want, regardless of anyone else. Freedom is limited to what they can see in the mirror. In the Toronto Star, Jamie Watt argues it's now or never for the Conservative Party. Watt writes, A coalition that was founded to work in spite of, or even because of, regional and ideological tensions now appears incapable of agreeing upon a coherent set of principles for Conservative partisans, let alone Canadians more broadly. The task facing the Conservative Party is not to ignore its history in a misguided attempt to turn itself into the political equivalent of a pretzel. They must embrace their history, seriously consider what Canadian progressive conservatism means today, and find a backbone in the process. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be in private meetings. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will speak at the Ontario NDP Convention. 
He will also hold a news conference to speak about the health care system. Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra and the Northern Affairs Minister Daniel Vandal will make a funding announcement to support critical infrastructure at the Edmonton International Airport. Tourism Minister Randy Boissonneau will take part in a virtual news conference to announce funding to support the Fort McMurray International Airport and other airports in Alberta. And Minister of Sport Pascal Saint-Onge will announce financial assistance to support the growth of Sherbrooke OEM Limited. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, February the 7th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.